0: But the book of Revelation, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of misconceptions. Um, Some things that he's trying to say, it's hard to hear, kind of like if the mic isn't working, right? But um, as we look at Revelations, I think it's a lot to get excited about. And I love the way the book closes. Jesus closes with saying, surely I come quickly. And the exciting response of John was, even so, come quickly, dear Lord. Uh, what he's saying is this is really worth looking forward to. And it's really going to be worth it. I tried to put it in a pen the best I could, but obviously a pen is only so good. Um, but it's really worth looking forward to. So you study the beast and you study all the horses that are galloping about and you're wondering what's going where and what do all the hairs of the horses mean and the Uh, All this kind of stuff and we can get confused, but the bottom line is John says you're going to be so glad that you made it when you get to the other side. Thank you for coming this morning and I trust you can sense the blessing of the Lord um, as we hear the word of God again being presented. A few announcements and then we'll look to Brother Eric for a message today. Um, First announcement is we do plan to take Rupert's family and his members this morning. Um, which will be done right after announcements here. Um, This afternoon, a live quartet is here to give a program at 145. Uh, Sunday evening, committee, do you have any uh, announcement as far as programs this afternoon or next Sunday? Thank you, Marlon. Uh, school devotions on Monday is Mark Coons, and Wednesday evening devotional is Elvie. Also, to keep in mind, next Wednesday evening, so it'll be in a week and a half, we'll be looking at reorganization. Um, papers should be emailed and coming out next Sunday, so keep that in mind. Does anyone else have an announcement for us this morning? That is a gift that brings me to tears, I guess, when I think about you your guys' kindness. Um, you have a lot to put up with, and yet you've kindly blessed us in so many ways. Uh, I would think we're probably the only ministers going with a paid way there and a paid way back, and I, I bless you for that. Um, it's very kind of you. All right, um, we do have some birthdays. Coming up this week, we just about every day of the week, we have a birthday. It starts off, Sky has a birthday on Tuesday, turns 10 years old. Lord blessings, Lord's blessing on your life, Sky. Um, Evelyn has a birthday Wednesday. Delvin has a birthday Thursday. And Dan has a birthday Friday. And Rosie has a birthday on Saturday, if I get it all right. Ages are between 30, sorry, 10, 34, 45, 66, and 74. So, Lord, blessings wherever you're plugging in at there this week. Lord, bless you on your birthday. So, we look forward to bringing Rupert's on. And as I mentioned before, I appreciate the blessing their lives have been to the church. And they um made known their desire to be part of us. So, we would just invite the family up and they can share their testimony. And we'll ask them two questions of commitment towards the church. You can come up and share your testimonies at this time. Thankful for Rupert and Evangeline and Josh and Carissa and Melissa. Either way.
1: what we're going to do when we try to explain to the other group why we're here. Um, that's, that's the heavy lift. Since then, I've probably considered myself a part of the group, and I'm sorry for taking so long to, to make it public, but um, so, um, anyhow, we're happy to be here. And I think about being um, part of the group, verse from um, John 13, um, two verses, verse 34 and 35, it says, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have loved one for another. Um, what better way to exercise that than to try and join up with a group of fellow humans that all have their own um, ideas and um, opinions and ambitions. And um, I want to um, convey that to you and allow you to... Rub the rough edges off of me in this process. Um, I am, I am looking forward to joining here. And for the sake of time, I won't go into too long. Um, if you want to know, I got some reasons for being here. I'm just glad to be a part of a of a um, unashamed conservative, Anabaptist, believing and following.
2: version might be acknowledged or unacknowledged, God is here. And um, I just want to make a conscious effort in my life to remember that God is with me in my daily life. Whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm choosing, I'm responding to my children and um, when you think of me and pray for me, there's lots of situations all day long. And I want to live all day long in a way that Um, show God's mercy and forgiveness and patience with my children and
3: You uh, take the joy out of the location because you know that there's somewhere else that God wants you. And so I'm just happy to say this morning that this is where God wants me, and I have the peace of God, and I'm excited about becoming a member here. And uh, James 4:6 said, um, "God just the proud against great and the humble." And I really struggle with pride and I'm a proud person, and I just ask your prayers that um, God can humble me, that He can use me. Um, God cannot use proud people, and I cannot be independent of God. Um, so, <clears throat> as you all know, I.
0: Will you give attention to maintaining a personal relationship with Christ ahead of this church? I will. I will. I will.
4: Thank you.
0: Will you use your influence to build the spiritual life of this congregation, supporting and maintaining her doctrines and standards of practice? I will. I will. I will. I will. According to the Council of the Congregation, upon the commitments that you have made, I receive you as members of the Workwoods Church. Bless you and but... keep
3: Let's all stand for prayer.
0: Father in heaven, we're so grateful for the blessing of life. Thank you for the blessing of spiritual life, spiritual friends. Lord, I pray for your anointing on Rupert Muller's family. We thank you for them and the blessing that they have been. And we just pray that um, we together would continue to grow in the likeness of Christ. Lord, that your work could be continued in our lives, that pride would be pushed aside as we relate to one another as humans, and yet that we would help one another to become saints of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just pray, Lord, for your, your blessing on this family and on the church family. Lord, may we truly together maintain a godly um, perspective um, in the wicked world that we're living in. And I also pray for your blessing on the service today. I pray for your blessing upon Harry as he shares your word, and that you would empower him with your word. And we, together as your family, um, would be strengthened, um, would be built in our convictions for following you wholeheartedly. We just praise you and thank you for this opportunity this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
5: Good morning. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 13? <coughs> As we go through the message this morning, I hope you can bear with my voice. I've been fighting off a cold and it's been it's getting better, but my my voice is not quite there yet. Proverbs chapter 13. <coughs> One verse for now. Proverbs 13, verse 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. As I was studying this theme, I thought I'll just read that verse and I will sit down and we can think about it for about 35 minutes because there's a lot to think about. (coughs) He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, and he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Adam Clark says, the government of the tongue is a rare but useful talent. And as a disclaimer at the beginning here, I feel extremely vulnerable up here speaking on this subject. And if you're looking at me saying, uh, maybe practice what you preach or something like that. I know that already. Um, I was convicted and challenged and impressed as I studied this. So we'll get that out of the way. And you can apply this teaching to your own life. <coughs> the government of the tongue is a rare but useful talent. How many of you have gotten yourself into trouble by not controlling what you say or how you communicate? something. Please raise your hand. You all have, every one of us, have gotten ourselves into trouble by what we've said or not said and should have said or by the way we've communicated in some way, either through what you say or what you've written. We have all said something that we regret later. We've been hurt by what someone has said. We have hurt people by what we've said. We've all been encouraged by what other people have said. (coughs) Sometimes something is said or written to or about us that we don't like and we respond to that. We maybe say things rashly without thinking. We say or write something in a reaction to something else. And many times this escalates into something that could have been and should have been avoided. And it's all because of the way we communicate, either in speaking or writing, emails, social media, letters. They can all get us into trouble. The bottom line is what we say or how we communicate really does matter. Has has big implications in the way we communicate. This morning I would like to look at communication, um, mainly spoken and written communication, but in every kind of communication these principles need to apply, but I want, I'm speaking mainly of, of our speech, what we say, and written communication. <clears throat> As of March 2018 there were approximately 281 billion emails sent in a 24-hour period per day, every day. 281 billion emails sent. That's almost a year-old statistic, so there's probably more than that by now. Every 60 seconds, there are 510 comments posted on Facebook. Every 60 seconds. That's 734,000 comments a day. There are almost 6,000 tweets per second throughout the world. That's 500 million a day. That does not include any number of postings on YouTube or LinkedIn, Instagram, Google+, Tumblr, whatever else I may have missed. I just listed emails and Facebook. That doesn't count any of those other things. Emerson Egricks asks this question. Would it be safe to say that out of the hundreds of billions of communications each day, large numbers of people wish they had taken time to think more carefully about all they were communicating and revised or even deleted entirely the messages they sent out recklessly in an emotional moment. I don't know if any of you can relate to that or not. I can. In things I've said, or things I've written, or the way I've communicated to somebody, I have wished that I could just back up and rephrase it, or maybe just totally not send that email at all, or not say what I said at all. The world is full of communication problems. I find it interesting, politicians say a lot of things, and they are analyzed a lot. What they say, how they say it, and people analyze every little word they use and how it's used and what hidden message they're trying to convey, what what they're actually saying. It's a miserable place to be, I would think. There's other people who are quick to post or say controversial things just, just to receive backlash, just to stir things up. And they succeed many times. There are so many communication problems in the world. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. So many problems in life could be avoided if we would follow the advice given in the Bible relating to our speaking or our communicating. The Bible has much to say about our speaking. This exact Teaching on speaking can, needs to be and can be applied to every, every way we communicate. <clears throat> and especially this morning, I'm thinking of email, social media, and I'm not opposed to those things. I don't want to come across that way at all. But they are such a part of our life that I think we need to look at, at, at some cautions there. Of course, we all speak, we all say things, but we communicate in other ways as well. That these same principles need to apply. In some ways, I think there's even more of a danger in written communication than in verbal communication. In what we write, texting, other ways of messaging. Because I'm convinced, and you can argue this all you want, but I'm convinced You will say something in a text or an email or a written communication. You would say things that you would not have the nerve to say to someone face to face. I'm not seeing too many of this. You will. You will say things in written communication that you will not say verbally. So I think there's some cautions that need to come in there. The reason for that is... There's many reasons, but I've boiled it down to one thing, and that's invisibility. When you write a letter, or an email, or post something on social media of some kind, or even a text, you are invisible. And the other person is invisible. You don't see them, they don't see you. John Suller said this, The opportunity to be physically invisible amplifies the disinhibition effect. Seeing a frown, a shaking head, a sigh, a bored expression and many other subtle and not so subtle signs of disapproval or indifference can inhibit what people are willing to express. So when you are alert and awake and doing this this morning, that helps me. Thank you. This is also the reason, though, where I say written communication, there's, there's dangers. I mean, we, we need to do written communication, but there are dangers in saying things or writing things you wouldn't say, which is why I would caution young people especially, when you begin a dating relationship, not to text too much. Because you would text things you would not have the nerve to say to that person personally. It, it adds a depth to a relationship that needs to come in person later on. <clears throat> you may say, well, that's an old-fashioned thought. Maybe it is, but I think it's right. It takes time to develop these things. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. In other words, think before you speak. Think before you talk or write. But think what? What do we need to think before we talk or before we write? I'd like to give three things this morning that we need to think before we're communicating, whether it's speaking, whether it's an email, whether it's social media, whether it's texting, whatever it is, three things you need to think before you communicate is this. Is what I'm about to communicate true? Is what I'm about to communicate kind? Is what I'm about to communicate necessary? If you can ask those three things to yourself, you will save yourself a lot of problems. So number one, is what I'm about to communicate true? I've got three scriptures I'm going to read. Listen carefully as we think about communicating truth. Ephesians 4.25 Wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. It explains what to do and why to do it. We are members one of another. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but they that deal truly are his delight. A false witness shall not be unpunished but he that speaketh lies and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. So test number one is what I'm about to communicate is it true? And you are all thinking I don't have a problem here of course what I say is true I would never lie and that's good you shouldn't lie. What about when you hear things that are how many of you had, had someone come up to you and say this I don't even know if this is true but And then they'll tell a great story, a great rumor about somebody or something that maybe, maybe didn't happen. It may be a good story or a rumor. It may make you look good. It may make somebody else not look good, which is often the intent of making ourselves look better. But is it true? Two things that will keep our communication true is transparency And honesty. That is the freest place to be. If you have nothing to hide in what you say, you don't have to remember what you said before because you're speaking the truth. You don't have to develop a lie. Lies develop themselves. Partial truths develop themselves. And you need to remember. Transparency and honesty will keep your communication true. And as I was pondering that truth, why Why would you communicate an untruth? Why would we do that? And I think if we all looked deeply inside, we have all done that. Communicated an untruth in some way, whether it's speaking or writing. Why would we do that? What is the advantage of communicating an untruth? You paint yourself in a better light or it makes someone look worse than they really are. That's what it boils down to. That is, you have something to gain by speaking an untruth. What if what you're communicating is mostly true? What if what you say is true, but it's misleading? That is where it touches close to home. Where we communicate what is true, but it's misleading, and again, that's not that—that that is untruth because you you're trying to protect yourself or someone you love from something, and so we'll communicate what is true with the intent to mislead. A few examples in the Bible where the facts were true, they did not lie, but the intent was to mislead. In Genesis four, it says, "In Cain." Talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Did Cain lie? Did he tell an outright lie? I don't think he did. He probably wasn't right there that he could say, Well, right there he is laying down there dead. He didn't know exactly where he was. And am I supposed to? Am I supposed to know where he is all the time? Is what he's saying. So he was not telling an outright truth. But he was attempting to mislead, to protect himself. Genesis 12. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter Egypt, this is Abram, that he said to Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, this is his wife and they will kill me but they will save thee alive say I pray thee thou art my sister that it may be well with me for thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee was Abram lying? were the words he said untrue? no He was te- the words he said were true Sarai was his half-sister. He was not, the words were true. But his communication was not true. He was intending to mislead, which is not true. If he would have asked himself these questions, is what I'm about to communicate true, he would have had to say no. What he said was true, but the intent was to mislead. 2 Kings 5.25 This is Gehazi, but he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. That was probably an outright lie, but the intent definitely was to deceive because how many peop- how many times has someone asked you, uh, what did you do yesterday? And you say, oh, not much. Or, or where were you? Ah, Nowhere. You don't. You don't really mean that. It's just in conversation. Ah, not much, which really means don't bother pursuing it any further. And that's what Gehazi was doing here. His intent was to mislead. So he could have said, ah, just part of conversation. Where were you, Gehazi? Ah, nowhere. His intent was to mislead. His communication was not truthful. Communication. Each of these examples, and you can maybe think of others or probably better examples, they misled in order to protect themselves from something they had done wrong. None of these people had transparency and humility. What we say, what we say to people might be factually true, but very misleading. And when you tell an untruth you begin to dig a hole for yourself, and when you repeat an untruth that you may have heard, you are condoning or supporting or agreeing with it. In the 1800s, there was a young African slave brought up to the auction block, and he's standing there with the bidders all out looking at him, and a potential buyer came up and looked him in the eye and he said, if I buy you, will you be honest? And his response is what every one of our responses should be. And I love it. He said, I'll be honest whether you buy me or not. Why would we bar- Why would we even consider bargaining about our honesty? He had that honesty in his heart. In other words, if I ask you a question, would you tell me the truth? That shouldn't even be a question we would ask. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell the truth no matter who asks me a question. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. The problem with untruthful communication is People do not cause me to be untruthful. It's my choice because of what is in my life and in my heart. It is always my choice, it is always your choice, whether or not you're going to be truthful or not. To condition of your heart, Matthew 12:34, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I'll stop reading there. There are many ways to communicate untruth without telling a lie. Did you ever think of that? Many ways to communicate an untruth without telling a lie. Here are some questions to ask yourself. When push comes to shove and we feel telling the truth will cause us to lose something or not gain something or if we give wrong or partial information to protect ourselves. Do we give wrong or partial information to protect ourselves? Do we hedge on the truth to mislead people? Do we fail to say what we know is the right thing to say? If we are not committed to being transparent and true when we communicate to or about other people or situations or in anything, if we cannot commit to being transparent and true, there's no point in even looking at the other questions about is it kind and is it necessary. Question number two. Test number two is, is what I'm about to communicate, is it kind? Turn with me to Ephesians 4 verse 15 and as you're turning there I want you to listen to this it has been said that people hear your words of truth but they feel your words of kindness people hear your words of truth but they feel your words of kindness Ephesians 4 15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth, we got that part, we covered that in love. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. <coughs> Ecclesiastes 10, verse 12 says, The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of the fool will swallow him up. <coughs> When we communicate, assuming it's truth already, but when we communicate, it is possible to use kind words and be very unkind. And I've probably done that. To communicate using kind words, but there's an undercurrent of disgust or demeaning or something there that is still being unkind. And I tried to come up with another word other than is what I'm about to say, kind. Kind is kind Kind is kind of a childish word. But I couldn't come up with a better one. Is what I'm about to communicate, kind. You can say kind words in an unkind way. There are a few different ways we tend to be unkind. If I or someone close to me has been wronged, It is my human nature to rise up and to defend how I've been wronged. And many times, what I say or what I communicate, what I write, will come across as unkind. When you rise up in defense of being wronged, many times, it will come across as unkind. It's a reaction a retaliation. And I think this is where written communication especially can be dangerous. If I have a pick with somebody, if someone has wronged me, it's going to be much easier for me to write a scathing email to that person than to go up to that person and, and really let them have it uh, in person. I don't know if any of you can relate to that or not. We can type a scathing letter or an email and we can send it off because, after all, we can reason that it's up to that person how they're going to interpret my tone. And they come back and say, That wasn't very nice. And you say, Well, I didn't mean it that way. I think I'm most susceptible to unkind communication when there's a lot of emotion involved, when I've been mis- misunderstood or I feel like I've been treated unfairly. And it's times like this when we tend to communicate in an unkind way, write unkind remarks. I'm finding out the best way to avoid making unkind remarks in retaliation is just to stop and step back and swallow my pride, however I may have been wronged, there may be time to... Uh, I don't like this term, but I think you understand what I mean. There may be time to set the record straight later. But you are very rarely in a good frame of mind to do that immediately after you have been criticized or mistreated or treated unfairly. So step back and wait. Swallow your pride. If you feel that you have been treated unfairly or you feel like you have been criticized remember this, there's almost always an ounce of truth in that criticism. Learn what you can from it. Somebody obviously saw something in you. It may be magnified and it may be blown up, but there's probably an ounce of truth there. So before you retaliate in what you will probably regret, stop and consider. Think before you speak. Think before you write. It's always a good policy to think first and speak later. A rash decision is rarely a good one. We should all be striving for truthful communication, for kind communication, and in that truthful communication we tend, or it can be a tendency to just lay it out the way it is for somebody. But being brutally honest or being blunt is not always a virtue. That can come across as unkind many times. Paul says we need to speak the truth in love. The way you communicate demonstrates who you are. That's biblical. Did you know that? The way you communicate demonstrates who you are. Demonstrates your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Did you ever think of what all that means? The way you speak or write, the way you communicate, is who you are. That means if you communicate with the intent to mislead someone, you are, your heart is, you've got. Untruthfulness in your heart. If your communication is not kind, you're not a kind person. That sounds blunt, but that's what that means. What's in your heart will come out, and what's coming out is obviously what's in your heart. Just a few things to consider here yet about kind communication before we go on to is it necessary? People will not hear what you have to say if your communication is not kind. <clears throat> Imagine that you are in an hour long conversation with somebody, and it's a good conversation. It's upbuilding, it's encouraging, you're relating stories and things that have happened in your life, uh, learning from each other, it's encouraging. And towards the end of that conversation, somebody says something about you in a very unkind way that takes three seconds to say and the conversation is done, what are you going to remember about that conversation? It's those three seconds that you're going to remember what they said about you. If your communication is not kind, people will not hear what you say, but the opposite is also true. If you are in a discussion with somebody and encouraging them building them up, having those guards up in your mind before you speak or say, say things that you will regret later, you'll have a productive, good, upbuilding conversation. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man always with grace, always with kindness. This doesn't mean just when someone agrees with me or just when they're kind to me first. This means always. The third test is what I'm going to communicate is it necessary? Now this test of our words could scare the timid people here into perpetual silence, that's not the answer either. It's maybe a safer place to be, but that's not the answer either. I was going to hand out, I've got some verses I'd like to read here, relating to necessary speech that I was going to hand out and have you read them. Hmm, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them and they're good ones. Are they necessary?
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. James one twenty six If a man, if any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Ephesians five four Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. Proverbs twenty five eleven A word fitly spoken, is like apples of gold, in pictures of silver. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven He that kno- he that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. James 1.19 Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. There's a reason that this test comes at the end. Is it necessary? If you've used those other tests, is it true? If, is, if, you, if what you say is untrue, it's not necessary. If what you say is unkind... It's not necessary. You can say something that's true and that's kind and you still have one more test. Is it necessary? Just because it's truthful and kind does not mean it is necessary. I could ask you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you in the last week have said words that are unnecessary? How many words have you said that were not helpful in any way? They were just something you said. They were not necessary at all. Speaking or communicating what is necessary takes discernment. What we have to say might be necessary, but the timing might not be right. Wise words said at the wrong time are no longer wise words. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. We talked earlier how unkind words come from an unkind heart. The same is true with unnecessary communication. Unnecessary or careless words come from a careless heart. As I was pondering that, I'm sure you've all heard this. Maybe your mother said it to you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. I believe that's true as well. Is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it upbuilding? Is it encouraging? Maybe, if not, maybe you shouldn't say it. Is it necessary? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. In conclusion, I was impressed and challenged as I studied this. And I was trying to envision what The service will be like after this, in the carry-in and the visiting time as people are fellowshipping together, and we're all now thinking, we're running everything we have through these uh, tests, is it true, is it kind, is it necessary? I hope we don't have a lot of silence. (laughs) This It should be the way of life for a Christian truthfulness and kindness and having discernment to know if what I'm saying is really necessary or not. If we consider how incriminating what we say and how we say it is, the way you say something is a revelation of your heart. What you say is a revelation of your heart. It incriminates you for good or for bad. That's the challenge to me. What, ha, How have I said things? And what have I said? And if, if someone else would have said what I said the way I said it, how would they look at me and say, boy, what is his heart like? I could take you to a specific places. And this sounds like I'm easily offended maybe, but I, you could probably do this too. I could take you to a specific place and a time When someone said something, it took them two seconds, but what they said hurt deeply. It was offending and it was, or not offending, but demeaning and I remember that. I could also take you to places where people have said things that were a huge encouragement to me, just a real boost. And you can probably do that too. What we say and how we say it has a huge impact on other people. And you are responsible for what you say and how you say it. Proverbs six says, "Art thou snared with the, with the words of thy mouth? thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend if you if you find that you have said something or written something that you regret, you wish you could go back and rephrase, or or even not say it at all, we know you can't do that. But go to them quickly. Make it right. It's been said that sweeping those remarks under the doorstep create a landmine that will explode later. I've seen that happen. When you don't make right what you've said and you know it's wrong, it will come back to haunt you. Let your speech always Be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Is what I'm about to say, is what I'm about to communicate, is it true, is it kind, and is it necessary? If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer? (coughs) Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you that we can gather together like this. We thank you for the church and for this body of believers, for the brotherhood. I pray that you will be with us as we consider our speech and our, the way we communicate what we write. Give us wisdom and discipline and discernment. Help us to be truthful and transparent and humble. Help us to be kind. Help us to remember your love and your grace. Help us to say only those things that are necessary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.